Uh, we saw him last night. Uh, he's 0 for 3 now uh, when he's in the building watching the Edmonton Oilers, so he might think they're uh, way worse than they actually are. But uh, the Edmonton Oilers last night, um, I don't know. I, well, I don't think they got controlled in the game. They basically gave that game away with some horrific defensive miscues that led directly to goals, and their power play couldn't produce anything. Uh, Ray Ferraro, a former NHLer, now analyst on TSN, Joins us, uh, Ray. I know uh, you were joking. Uh, geez, I don't know what your record was when you used to call the order games full time on Sportsnet, yeah. but uh, kind of similar this year when you've called them uh, on TSN. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's not it's not been very positive, that's for sure. Um, lost to Ottawa, lost in Toronto, lost last night. Um, I didn't think they were very good last night. Um, uh, you know, I, I mean, the three goals in the second period were, you know, were pretty bad they were oh. they were poorly covered they were poorly communicated they were um they were out muscled on the puck um you know it, it was it, it was a it was a bad period of hockey and they got and they got blitzed um at the other end of the ice unless mcdavid was going to pass it to himself i didn't think they were very dangerous um their power play is i, I it's like they're trying to pass it into the back of the net yeah. instead of shoot it in there. And, um, you know, I heard from a whole bunch of people on Twitter because um, there must be Oiler fans that were living in the Toronto region. And I said that, you know, I look, I'm not telling them how to play the game, but because the guy's leading the league in points. But when he comes off that half wall or he comes around, um, you know, the dot, if McDavid shoots that puck 20% of the time, then that pass across the crease is going to be more open. Yeah. I mean, I know that's what he sees first, and it's always, it seems to be pretty close. But, like, on the five-on-three, he came out around the back of the net, and he was maybe, I don't know, 12 to 15 feet on Anderson's glove side, and he tried to pass it through feet to somebody's stick that was on the other side. He can score from there. And I think the more they shoot it, the more they'll open up that front of the net area. They just... um their power play, aside from their defense, when they had the five-on-three, their power play cost them pretty dearly last night. Yeah. Oh, that was killing it. And it's, and it's, it's hard to – and I'm with you, Ray, because it's – and the thing about McDavid is last night's not the first time. He only has six sh- shots on goal the entire season in, in over 76 minutes on the power play. And he's the main guy. Like, the, he should be running the power play. Of course it should go through him. He's the best player on the team. And uh, Craig Button brought up a point that he felt, you know, in junior he was so good and he would skate by everybody. He'd get right on top of the net and then he could score. Um, it might seem like a strange thing to, to say, well, McDavid should just shoot. Is it a skill set for for him is it a mental thing where he's got to come off that half wall like how does he get that into his game where he where it becomes a little bit more natural for him to shoot well I, I believe he just has to decide that's what he's going to do okay um I, I see that you know when McDavid gets the puck the he sees the ice as a completely open canvas you know yeah. he sees possibilities that other people just don't see and he's trying to make plays that are there in his mind but really are probably lower percentage than, than he might think. Um, if he comes off that half wall and shoots it um, from either side, even when he gets over onto a strong side, he can score from 30 feet, from 25 feet. And if he doesn't score, there's going to be a rebound uh, in front of the net. I, I, I find that they don't shoot it enough, so the guys that are supposed to be in front of the net, 
they don't stay in front of the net. They peel off to the post looking for a pass for a deflection. And so the goalie gets a good look at the puck when they do shoot it. So they, they just seem a little bit out of sync. And, and I would suggest they probably should go backwards a little bit and simplify their power play um, and shoot the puck. Now that second unit gets out there and I mean, to me, that should be, um, there, there shouldn't be much finesse on that. That should be point shot over to the left circle shot. You know, I, I know they had, I, I read today they were trying some different things out, but why wouldn't, I mean, Latestu is, uh, is, is good in the role he's in. He's not a power play guy. Play Piarvi there. Let him shoot the puck there. That, I mean, the kid can shoot the puck. You don't have to do anything else. You're not running the power play through them. Uh, I think they can be more creative as they're simplifying it. Because right now, that, that power play, in my opinion, should be better. Oh, But they don't shoot enough. Yeah. And because they don't shoot enough, they don't open up enough options for themselves. Ray Ferraro from uh, TSN joins us. And so Pulley RV's one, because uh, Latesto and Everly, it looked like they switched units today. And, and for me, like... You can't ask Everly to do what he, he's never been great at shooting from the outside, Ray. And, and and I guess he can work on it, but you know, every guy, certain guys just have a certain thing they're good at, and, and maybe you can have him spend time working on that, and then maybe it diminishes what he's really good at. So I just go back to putting Everly closer to the net where he was in the first six years, and that's where he had success on the power play. Uh, I, I think Everly could be really effective in the middle of the ice. Okay as that high slot guy. Um, I watched Boston's power play last year. It was one of the best. And that's where Patrice Bergeron played. Um, and Bergeron doesn't have a fabulous shot. Um, but what he does is he can distribute the puck. He's smart. Um, and when the shot comes, because you're in the middle of the ice, it's from 15 or 20 feet. So doesn't that kind of sound like what Everly does? Yeah. He's smart. He can distribute the puck. And he could shoot it from 20 feet, but he's not going to score from the outside. Look, I, Jason, I played a long time. I bet you I scored five goals from the tops of the circle in my career. And I worked on my shot. And I wanted it to be better. But you are what you are after a while. He's not all of a sudden going to start shooting the puck, um, you know, like, a, like Patrick Lyonet. He's, he's, he can shoot a billion pucks, and it's not going to be for a number of reasons. And so why not play him where his strengths are? And to me, that would be right in the middle of the ice. I want somebody smart and somebody that can pass, somebody that can see the ice in the middle of the ice. And I think Everly would be really good there. Yeah, the interesting thing is Drysaddle's been there, and he's the only guy who's actually scoring on the power play, right? But so maybe you could Drysaddle there on one unit, and you put Everly in the middle on the second unit. See, Drysaddle's... um, I, he's a, I love the way he distributes the yeah. puck. He's, you know, he can pass it off four and backhand. Um, and so, you you know, you don't need that. Like, what if Nugent Hopkins and Everly are on the second unit? Yeah. Well, you know, you can't you can't ever rely on just one unit because that's not the way it goes. And, and I think the one thing with the power play, people have to remember, a really good power play is around 20%, which, of course, means they score one out of five times. Yeah. So say a team goes two for two, if they're going to be at 20%, that's a whole lot of goose eggs before, you know, that's 0 for 8 coming up. Mm -hmm. And then they're still at 20%. And so there's a lot more misses 
than there are successes. But last night, I thought they lost um, they lost energy on their power play. They didn't they didn't really push those three Toronto penalty killers out of position enough to really make an impact. And then five on four, I just I just don't think, as I said, I just don't think they shoot the puck enough. Ray Farrar from TSN joins us. Ray, the the defensive miscues, like mistakes, you played the game. There's a lot of mistakes every shift. It's so oh, yeah. fast, mistakes happen. But there's there's minor mistakes, and then there's like the 10 bellers. And the orders, this year what's funny is in previous years, they just got overwhelmed. They would make a lot of little mistakes, and eventually would watch and be like, okay, eventually they're going to get scored on. You knew it was coming. This year, in a lot of games, Ray, they're not getting overwhelmed. But then, for reasons unexplained, they just have like this monumental blow-up, like you, we saw in the Van Riemsdyk goal, we saw on, on the on the second on the third goal as well for for the Leafs. And what do you attribute that to? Because it's not just rookies. I'm seeing vets do it, and I don't know if it's a lack of work ethic. I think it's just a lack. Is it a focus thing? How does that seem to infect so many guys in the team at one time? Well, some of it, you know. So let's let's go through them because I think they're all different. You know, it doesn't it doesn't always manifest itself the same way um the cadre goal you know benning tried to tried to make a little dump pass into the middle to his partner and when the pass wasn't on that puts nurse in a terrible spot so that pass either has to be on you have to be 100 percent sure not 98 or you got to chew the puck like you got to eat it and you know benning made a mistake and nurse couldn't you know, field it or stop on it. And then now it's a two one Oh, from, from three feet and one save, but the rebound goes in, uh, the one, I believe it was the JVR goal, the Van Riemsdyk goal. I think that was Clefbaum and Russell behind the net. Yeah. And then Hendricks just kind of left him alone. I'm so the, so the initial mistake there is, you know, Clefbaum gets to the net or gets to the puck. There's a second guy. Russell gets to the second guy, but when Bozak gets to the puck, in the corner, Clefbaum's still glued to Marner behind the net, but that's where Russell is. He's got to release and go to Bozak. That one's a lack of communication to me. Yeah. Well, you know, then... like Clefbaum Clef locked on when he can't lock on, and he had to spin out to Bozak. And then, of course, you know, you leave a guy like Van Riemsdyk alone in front of the net, and he's probably not going to miss a whole bunch. Um, you know, and then I'm, I'm trying to think of the third one that period because that was another, uh, they, they lost the one-on-one battle on that one as well. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm trying to think, I can't even remember who scored it because uh, Matthew scored in the first period. Hyman, Hyman scored it. It kind oh, of ricocheted Hyman. off a few legs. Yeah, but that was behind the net. Yep. Um, uh, Russell got blown off the puck. Yeah. And then, yes, it bounced all over the place and it was kind of a crazy lucky bounce, but you know, they, they, they lost that puck battle behind the net. It just, I, I'm with you, Jason. They don't, they didn't give up 15 scoring chances last night that you went, oh my God, the goalie has to be amazing. But they made some really, really bad mistakes and, and they got burned on them. Ray Farr from uh, TSN joins us. Uh, Ray, uh, just going off of last night's game, uh, you got Pitlick, who uh, inexplicably to me has been sitting out for three games when he's got six goals, and I haven't seen like the egregious, you know, defensive miscues from this guy. All he's doing is scoring goals in limited minutes, and Slapishev has been pretty decent as well. So those two are out. I-, I have to think they'd come back in based just on last night. 
Which two forwards would you take out if you were Todd McClellan? Based on last night only? Yeah. Uh, I would take out Hendricks and Pouliot. Okay. Um, and if it wasn't Pouliot, I'd take out Maroon. Just based on last night. Yeah. Like, you know, I've read so much and seen so much about their bigger and harder and tougher to play against. Their big guys last night did not play very big. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Cassian, Pouliot, um, Lucic, Maroon, Clefbaum, uh, Larson. They, they didn't, they didn't stand out to me as physical presence. And so, and Hendricks as well. And if Hendricks isn't going to be a physical guy for you, I know he kills penalties, but why wouldn't you have Pitlick in that spot? That's hard to argue. It's definitely hard to argue with that. Like, like Patrick because Maroon. Because two teams. When I see the, the, the Oilers, I look like there's two teams. There's huh. those big guys, and then there's the fast guys. And you have to have a bridge between big and fast. And, of course, when they play well, there is. But last night, there, there was a separation. Ray Farrar from uh, TSN joins us. Uh, Nazem Kadri, Ray, I'll tell you right now. Now, I don't watch all the Leaf games, and uh, you watch a lot more of them. But what I've seen this year from him, I'm like, man, that is exactly the kind of third-line center the orders need here in Edmonton, a guy who's got some offense, got an edge to his game. He'll piss you off. He might take it on penalty here or there. But, man, he is. has he been that competitive in most games this year for Toronto? Most of the time. It's been a... It's been a terrific start for him. And uh, this goes back into last year when I, I think for the first time he had a coach that booted him in the ass um, instead of tried to, you know, I think Kadri always has felt he's going to be a leader offensively. And Mike Babcock basically shoehorned him into this role and said, this is where you're going to play. Even when he started to score more, it was more of a matchup center. He would play more against the top lines. Well, now, Bozak's line got off to such a great start. Um, and, of course, you have Matthews. But Kadri's been with Komarov the whole year. And they've played against the other team's top lines most of the time. And I would say most of the time, most of those games, when Kadri has, has an assignment, he, he seems to relish it. I mean, the 10 goals have been, to me, a surprise given... Um, the way that the puck didn't go in for him last year, I, I, I think Kadri should be, I think he should be a twenty goal scorer all the time, but sometimes you just you know you don't get enough because you're you're busy doing other things. You know, he's, is if he's supposed to match up and to check, but you can score when you check, and he is a pain in the rear end uh-huh. uh, to play against, and he is aggressive. And like he walked in there last night, I I saw him walking in and. I didn't talk to him, but I know he likes that. You know, I know he likes being the focal point. And he's going to go in, you know, they're in Calgary tonight, but they're in Vancouver on Saturday. He's walking into the hornet's nest, and he loves it. Like, he just loves it. Remember the last time they played, he thumped Daniel Sedin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I would say that that's going to be a, I would think it would be a rather testy game, but he likes it. And he's in a perfect role right now. He's... So now the, the top offensive lines, they're, or I'm sorry, the top defensive lines, they're worried about Matthews and they're worried about Bozak's line. And so Kadri will play against the other team's top line, who is obviously trying to score more than they are trying to defend. And if they can forecheck, they're going to get chances. 
and Kadri has skill too. He's had a he's had an outstanding season. Oh, I, he's been fantastic for them, and that's you know you, you have a different dimension. You've got uh, Matthews, of course, and Marner, your skill guys, and then you've got Kadri, who's got the skill, but uh, is is emerging as someone who's reliable. The only knock on his game would be Ray that he still at like I saw it last night. Uh, he still embellishes a bit too much, and I think the refs have caught on. Ah, uh, they do. I mean. You know, the goal he scored Saturday against Washington, he battled with Nick Backstrom the whole way up the ice and, you know, looked like there was going to be a penalty, but he kept his feet, kept his feet driving, and then he scores. And then sometimes, you know, an opponent burps on him and he goes down. And, you know, eventually they're just, you know, the book's out. And they're like, wait a minute, he, he goes down a little bit too easy. But I found him this year to, he's played hard. He's kept his penalties to a minimum. The top three Leaf centermen have 26 goals. Yeah, ten for Matthews, ten for uh, for Kadri, and I believe six for Bozak. I mean, they are they are getting top level production out of the middle of the ice. Yeah, that's uh, that is solid, solid production. Uh, one final one for you, uh, Ray. Uh, the big guys in the orders, and I asked Milan Lucic about it because I haven't seen much nastiness from a team that's finally built to be nasty, right? Like, you've got guys who have historically done it. Uh, you know, Lucic isn't afraid of anybody. Zach Cassian isn't. Maroon shouldn't be. Nurse, and I haven't seen – do you think there's any chance there's something like, the okay, guys, we want to make sure we're controlled from the coach? Well, I can't imagine that they brought these guys in here and then told them not to do – or not to be physical. Yeah, but it just, oh, so um, what would be the other reason then? I I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, you know, there's an old there's an old line. Um, a guy started out as a crusher, thought he was a rusher, and then he ended up as an usher. And um, I think there are times when guys that are physical forget a big part of their game. Now it's harder to be physical now than than it's ever been because the game goes so fast. You can't get to the point where you're completing a hit or, you know, on the forecheck because the puck gets moved, you know, 15 feet away. And, you know, those will be challenges for Lucic and Maroon in particular. But when there is a chance to finish, I think it really helps them if they do use the size that, that they have. That, I think it can really help them. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see enough of it last night. And now, you know, they're going into this stretch of games here. This is a, a brutal stretch they got coming up here. What is it, six and ten days? Yeah. That they've got a, a couple of back-to-backs, and it's going to be hard to be physical, but the more the more they can use the body, I think that gives them a little bit better balance, and it helps maybe buy another three, four, five feet of room for their skill guys. And We saw last night when McDavid got five feet of room, Morgan Riley's a hell of a skater, and he couldn't catch him. I mean, I was... That was just, that was just a beautiful thing to watch. And if you can buy him an extra couple of feet and then get to the net, you're probably going to find some chances there. Yeah. Well, imagine when McDavid starts shooting on the power play, right? How many points he's going to get? Like they in 31 percent of his NHL games so far, yeah. right? He's had two points or more. I'll leave you with this, Jason. Um, Sidney Crosby's first year, he was like 41 percent on the draw, and it just bugged him to no end. And so he went away in the, you know, in the summer as part of his training. He worked on his face-offs and worked on his face-offs. The next year he was at 50%. He's never turned back. I don't think we'll be having this conversation about Connor McDavid later in the year. Yeah. Um, I believe he's too smart. Um, he's too good. And 
if you if you want to have the extreme on the other side is a guy like Mike Ribeiro who runs the power play for a lot of years, but he never shoots. Yeah. I mean, like never. And so teams just sag back off him, and he's got lots of time, but he never shoots it. And I don't think I don't think we'll be having that conversation about McDavid. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you. It's kind of scary for, well, exciting, I guess, for Reuter fans and scary for the opposition that McDavid's doing this already, and there's still an element of his game. Which are, and you played, Ray. I think it's safe to say that power play points are, for the most part, a little bit easier to obtain than five on five. And so he's not maximizing his easy points yet. And when he does that, look out. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the five on five scoring is harder than it's ever been. That's, that, I would say, is the biggest change of, of anything that's happened in hockey is the, uh, the ability to create chances five on five gets harder and harder. And, you know, I, I mean, the guy's got to what's he got six goals and six assists and a six game point streak. I, I don't know. He seems to be doing fine just the way. <sighs> yeah, I know. That's exactly. It, it feels weird to kind of question anything about McDavid, but it is yeah. a factor though on the power play. It's not, and it, it's not a criticism. It it's just a, uh, Jason, there's two factors to the power play to me is one, they miss a real, a real shooter at the point, And McDavid for all that he does great can be better or more selfish at that. Yeah. And so if, the t- if those two things happen, I think there's, they'll open up the power play and they'll be more successful. Ray, as always, great stuff. It was good seeing you last night. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week, Jason. Talk to you. Ray Ferraro from uh, TSN.